Hey there, beautiful souls. Welcome back for another episode of Soul Starter, the podcast. I'm really excited about this one. Our guest, Dr. Michelle Paris, was so passionate and living so much in her purpose that it's it was truly magnetic. And we could have talked to her forever, I think, um, because the topic is so close to our hearts and to what we're trying to offer with this podcast in general. It's definitely for you if you're uh, somebody who struggles with asking for time for self-care, if you are a people pleaser, if you are in a constant place of putting other people's needs in front of your own, if you have trouble asking for support, if you feel like you don't have a community or you are hoping to find your community or find your village I think there's a lot of nuggets in this episode to to help you get there and to inspire you and to have you question um, some of the ways that you maybe live your day-to-day life so that you can start making changes and start taking care of yourself because you deserve it and you're worthy of that. Dr. Michelle Paris is a magnetic force of inspiration, illuminating the path to vibrant health and empowered living. She's a naturopathic doctor a community builder, a captivating speaker, and a women's empowerment advocate. She's also a devoted mother. She's a visionary clinic director. Her clinic is called the Poppy Clinic, and she orchestrates a symphony of wellness in this clinic, guiding her patients towards their optimal potential. Michelle's unwavering dedication extends to her community health initiative, The Wild Collective, This visionary project revolutionizes the way we approach health education and women's empowerment, fostering a sense of unity and strength. Recognizing that connection is the lifeblood of optimal health, Michelle encourages women of all ages and life stages to tune into the wisdom that resides within their own bodies. With boundless love and compassion, she affectionately guides women toward reclaiming their wild essence, unveiling the innate power that lies dormant within. This is Soul Starter, the podcast with your hosts, Jessica and Lexi. We're two mamas on a mission to make entrepreneurship more accessible through soul-driven exploration. If you're ready to start a transformative journey rooted in self-care, intention, and growth, then this is the podcast for you. Join us and our guests each week as we explore the parallels between business, motherhood, and mindful living. Your intuition guided you here. Now let's get started. Hi, Michelle. Welcome. Thank you for being here. We're so excited to have you on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I know Jess has been following you for a while and she um, reached out to have you on because it just seems like you're the perfect fit for our community and we're really inspired by all of the things that you're doing. We want to know your secrets, how you're doing all of this. (laughs) Yeah, so thank you for being here. Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much. It's just so fun to meet other people in the online space and then be able to uh, talk with you face-to-face and just get more wisdom from other women who are really making a big difference in the world. And so on that note, I would love, if you don't mind, just sharing a little bit, maybe where you're located and a few things that you have going on. We know you're a naturopath, a mom, but I'll let you dive into that fully if you want to share a little bit about yourself. Sure, thanks. Uh, That's what makes the social media world kind of cool, isn't it? wouldn't know each other otherwise. So that's, there, there's a pro for social media. My name is Dr. Michelle Paris and I am a naturopathic doctor and I am super grateful to be here because any opportunity that I have to be able to connect and share and talk about, I think, health from a unique perspective and, and human connection and, and women's empowerment and all the things is just such a blessing. Like I'm so grateful for that opportunity. So um, a little backstory. I have been practicing in naturopathic medicine for the last 14 years and I was okay with it. Like it was cool. I was so grateful to be a naturopathic doctor. I felt like I was really helping people, but not enough. So seven years ago, I had this like little nudge 
and it became louder by the day that I needed to do things a little different, that I needed to disrupt in the medical space because I just really wasn't feeling inspired with how we did medicine. And I just really wasn't impressed with consistent enough results for the women that I served. And you could certainly make a criticism for my medical skills, sure. Or we could say maybe there's something wrong with the system and how we're actually helping women. And at that same time, I was learning all this incredible growing research on social connection and and how important and imperative it was to our overall health. And when I started to learn how detrimental loneliness was and, you know, your mess is your message, being someone who really struggled with human connection and belonging from a very young age, that became a big time obsession. Like, how do I solve this? Another little clue, because right you get clues in your life about where you should probably be going and what your your way of impact needs to be is that when I finally found belongingness in naturopathic medicine and like being with a core group of people who like not only loved me for who I was, but celebrated my quirks, it was like this jet fuel for the soul. And I was like, this is like a superpower. Like anything is possible if you belong to people. So I just remembered all of these little cumulative stories. And so seven years ago, I started something called the Wild Collective. And it's really about doing healthcare differently. And it's really about helping the everyday woman live an extraordinary life. And I just really believed that if we we're able to teach women body literacy. So helping them take their power back in the healthcare space, understanding how their body was designed to operate, how our symptoms are our barometer of health, like how our body speaks to us, how to co-create our health, how to advocate for certain tests and be really well informed, but then also support them through connection, through being in a space of like-minded women where vulnerability was celebrated, where you could, you know, have a safe place to land to say, this isn't fun. And like, I'm going sugar free and it's really uncomfortable or whatever it is, or I'm not happily married, or I feel numb and robotic in life. And I want to feel happy. I, I wanted to create a different way in which we related to each other so that you could take your power back and show up in a different capacity. And what ended up happening was exactly that was the most beautiful orchestration of of women's empowerment and seeing that healthcare done differently was more sophisticated, more efficient, more innovative, more inspiring. And instead of seeing your doctor every six weeks and being like, yeah, I know you told me to do this, but like I took it like three times and then, you know, like life happened or my family didn't want to support me in eating the green vegetables. So I abandoned and blah, 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 blah. all the stories, all the things that come up and wh- why we don't get the results that we desire. All of a sudden these women were like, no, like I'm doing this. I feel worthy. I I'm excited. I feel supported. This isn't so scary. And these women not only reclaim their health and, and, were really getting the results that they desired, but they were really leveling up in their life. And I had to sit in one circle once with women to be like, this is how I'm doing medicine forever. This is this is healthcare to me. This is how I want to impact and serve. And seven years later, I'm leading doctors in doing the same. I'm still leading women in circles. And I'm just so grateful to be able to share a different way for women to to know that it's out there to access so that they can start to be the co-creators of their health and their life. And they don't have to feel so numb or burnt out or disconnected from mission, purpose, joy, pleasure, whatever it may be. I just know there's a better way. That's beautiful. Like clapping. I'm clapping in the video. Slow claps, fast claps, all the above. I feel like you've been on so many different points there that we could dive off into. But I think the core theme that really hits home with me is like women really prioritizing their self-care, their needs, their desires, their happiness. Uh, So often women, you know, in general are suppressed, not only by the healthcare system, but just society. But then also that transition through motherhood and how that is this new identity that they're stepping into. And again, feeling that loneliness that you talked about. And so the beauty that you're creating for women, moms, all of that, that belonging that so many people are desiring and that actually, you know, is data driven to show a longer, healthier life. Uh, You're creating that for so many women. That is amazing. Thank you. It's also data driven. 
because it's important of emphasizing if we're talking to mamas, it's so easy for us to put ourselves at the bottom of the list. And I think what can be really helpful in motivating and reframing this, because there's so many of us that were probably celebrated for sacrificing. And so we think we're doing something good by putting ourselves at the bottom. But what has been studied and is reproducible and very exciting is that when we work on our own self, when we uh, as a result, make ourselves a priority and increase our happiness. Those in our direct environment benefit from that, and their happiness increases by an upwards of fifteen percent, which is incredible. So, if you think about, you know, if you have a child struggling or a partnership that's struggling, and all these things, all the things that make us say, "No, not today, Michelle." I, like it sounds like a really great idea, but right now I'm busy. Like that's never going to change. It. It really is about prioritizing ourselves and realizing that when we p- make ourselves a priority, literally the world is a better place. Like everybody benefits by us filling our cup and being happier first. And I think that's needs to be really well known that this is not um, a badge of honor. This is necessary and essential for women to make themselves a priority because we we will be better partners and mothers and innovators as a result of that. It, it's that first. It's not the other way around. Michelle, I love that you are talking about this because my September intention episode was all about self-worth. And I talked about how sometimes we can prioritize everybody else because maybe we don't feel like we're worthy of being first on the list. We need to take care of all these other things first. Um, so it's beautiful that you're bringing that up, especially since it's the intention for the month. I totally resonate with this as well. Being a people pleaser, being somebody who finds joy in making other people happy and helping other people. I can very often not fill my own cup enough. It's something that I am consciously working on every day. And I love that that's a reminder. I have a friend who says like her priorities are her and then her husband and then her children and then her career. And I love that she says this because she's taking care of these like very essential things. We often feel like our kids have to be first and then our partner and then maybe our career and then ourselves, but we have it so backwards. I think we've really been conditioned to believe this, to believe that as a woman, like we need to be taking care of everybody else, Mm -hmm. but you're mentoring, you're helping other people realize that that's not the case. This is a self-worth issue. Like this is hands down. I love that you picked that up because it's true. And it, it does feel backwards. I call them burnout archetypes. I think there's different archetypes that show up that perpetuate our burnout, which is why we all feel exhausted and like we're failing at life, even though quote unquote, it may look like we're achieving. It's like the inside stuff, right? That nobody sees on Instagram. It is a self, it's a self-worth issue. And when exactly like you said, I think we're afraid to give voice of what the priorities ought to be because what if other mothers are like, you're so selfish, right? It should be about mm-hmm. your children. And we're so worried about rejection and not being worthy and all and ourselves too. Like, who are we? Who are we, especially if we were celebrated for being the good girl, then that good girl is going to really meet her electric fence when she starts to prioritize herself. But who, what kind of partnership and family and life can you have if you're not taking care of the one thing you can control, which is yourself, and not taking inventory and nurturing that relationship that's going to raise really great children? It's actually the only way it should be. But it's so hard for us to use our voice in that capacity because we may have been given the messaging like that's selfish or who are you or we may have been celebrated for being a good girl and achievement. And that's probably driving that fear. But I love that your friend articulated that because that really is how we're going to raise really um, emotionally well-adapted, critically thinking children, right? Yeah, they know that they need to take care of themselves first. Yeah, it's really important. And they're watching dynamics. 
Yeah, a hundred percent. You know, not to mention too, like when you are living in this stage of burnout and exhaustion and kind of in this spiraling, you can't step into that creativity. You can't step into your power, that feminine power that we all have, that inner wisdom that we need to listen to, whether it's health related or business related or family related or whatever it might be. When we are living in this state of chronic out and exhaustion, we can't allow ourselves to see the other side of that too. So, you know, I'm curious, can you give some of our listeners like a tangible takeaway for me? What I've learned is that I have to schedule self-care time in for myself because it doesn't come natural to me. I will naturally prioritize other things. So then once I put it on the calendar, it's scheduled in there. That has been the easiest thing for me to get started to make myself in terms of self-care more of a priority. I'm curious if you have any strategies with all your years in line of work uh, with women in these circles. What are some tangible takeaways that they can take today and start helping themselves prioritize themselves more? Yeah, well probably not dissimilar from what you've just said. Cause I think that's probably the most important thing is like your life will pass you by. I, I, I really want to help women live a romantic life every day. Like we talk about romanticizing your life. So we are so quick to put all of our meetings and all these other things on our calendar and not the things that would actually build out this beautiful romantic life. And there's so many, it's far too common for us to say, I'll do that when, when I get to here then and your whole life will pass you by because then and when never get prioritized. So then it never happens. And so I really think much to your point, the best thing we can do is schedule our values first and then build a life around that. And that might have to start off really small. Maybe your demographic is younger moms. So they're like, you know, they're on social media and everyone has a morning routine and they're really irritated because there's no way you can have a morning routine when you have young ones at home, right? So then they abandon all of it and they throw the baby out with the bathwater, maybe a bad analogy. But um, (laughs) instead of saying, okay, clearly if women start off their morning with a morning routine, their day starts better. Well, I have young babies and that's not possible. Or I I value sleep. There were many years I valued sleep over everything. So I wasn't getting up and exercising. I wasn't getting up and meditating. Are you kidding? I needed that five minutes to like sleep. I was so sleep deprived, but maybe I could do something else at night that would fuel and, and make sure that I was prioritizing my values. I think there's like a desire disconnect and I think because we are so good at juggling all the things, this is how the confusion happens, is that we can handle a lot of things. If you want something done, give it to a busy woman. We can crush stuff. Like We can get stuff done. Like There's just no doubt. I think everybody knows how powerful we are, which is why we just load women up. Like Here's more. Here's more. And she's like, okay. Um, But if she keeps going at that rate, we know the consequences. Burnout and on being feeling unfulfilled, even though she has accomplished a lot. And I think that's the part that makes me so sad. And I think that's why I'm so obsessed with this world, this word wild is that there is this potentiality of, of what your day could feel like, which is like you're, you're aligning your day and your time spent and, and your energy towards what makes your heart feel happy. And so you know, you, there's a lot of noise. And so another core value of mine for the women that I serve is to like really tap into what you desire, like what your inner voice is saying, because, you know, someone's telling you to go keto and then intermittent fasting and everyone hates intermittent fasting. And then all of a sudden, and it's like, oh my God, there's so much, like, who do I listen to? Like, what do I do? I'm doing all the things. And it's like, what does your heart tell you? Right. So I, I love, I, for me too, it's about prioritizing and making sure that my calendar matches my values and my desires. And I think that also lets me know when I start to inch towards burnout, because I can start to feel when I put too much in and I can feel the physical effects of, of over committing and over stretching myself and not prioritizing myself. So I think one of the best things we can do, because you probably hear it as we all do, women will notoriously say, I would do it, but I'm so busy and here's why I can't do it. And And it's like, okay, let's start with one very important reframe. Let's just say, let's take our power back. Let's not put ourselves in a victim 
mindset. Let's empower ourselves and say, for now, right now, I would love to be doing what you're doing. I would love a morning routine, but it's not a priority right now because my sleep is my priority. Oh, boom. That woman just took her power back. She's no longer a victim to time. She's making a decision for herself. But she's saying, okay, you know, I do want to feel peace in my body. I do want to feel calm. Everyone says breath work or meditation sounds really cool. Okay, well, maybe I can commit to a minute of meditation before I go to bed at night. That I can do. Okay, I'm going to put that in the calendar and that's me time. And I'm going to start using my voice and tell my partner or tell my kids that this is a time that mommy's not to be bugged, that I'm unavailable, that this is for me. And we can build on that. And when we do these little things and we start to put ourselves on a calendar, all of a sudden we start to step into or awaken our own inner leader where we are, we're part of the value system. At least we're somewhere on the priorities list and we've actually put it out so that it can actually happen. And I think that's a huge one. I think it's a huge one. And especially this demographic, it's so easy to just abandon all things because you can't have a morning routine because that seems to be what trips women up in my community. Like, well, my babies don't sleep. I've heard it. I've heard it a million times. Okay, cool. That is a reality for that phase in life. So what can you do to make sure that you are fitting yourself in? Could you take a Saturday morning? Could you, right? Maybe it happens once a week versus every day. You will get there. My kids are 10 and 12 and that happened in a blink of an eye and they don't want to hang out with me that much anymore. I have a lot of free time. So it changes, right? So I'm glad that I always made myself a priority at some level because maybe I'd feel sad that they need me a lot less these days. <laughs> right. If you put all your 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 love, appreciation, your yeah. self-care in their basket only. And that was the only way that you got fulfilled. That is celebrating. Think about yourself. Right? Say, like, I, I, oh, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. for sure. <laughs> I, I always yeah. wanted to remember her. I always wanted mm-hmm. Michelle to be a part of wife and mother and kids and career. And who's like, I wanted to have belly laughs. I wanted to dance that looked different at different parts of my life. But I think the remembrance of her is a big thing because a lot of women confront it when their children go off to university and they, they don't have an identity beyond motherhood. And that's a huge moment for her. It's a very distressing moment for her because she hasn't nurtured herself. And I, I think putting yourself on the calendar is a way you're nurturing yourself. And it might be a minute a day or one day a week, and that can grow, but at least you remain intact in all of the chaos and busyness of life. Mm-hmm. I don't this know if so I answered good. your question. Yeah. No, you totally did. Okay. I, and so much came up as you were chatting. <laughs> um, as, as somebody, no, no. I mean, I, I took notes, so we can so get into good. it. But I, as somebody who kind of grew up in a home where the the good girl mindset was very prevalent and where hard conversations weren't had, or if there were hard conversations, there was maybe some like explosive attitudes going on. I felt myself hearing like a community, someone in the community who can sympathize with hard conversations and not wanting to have them. So my point is, you have to have those hard conversations with your partner. If you want to make time for yourself, mm-hmm. you have to ask, maybe you're a single parent. You have to ask family. You have to ask friends. You have to take the time and have those hard conversations because without them, you're not going to give yourself the space. And I would love to invite people to take more than one minute, ask for more than one minute because you're deserving back to the self-worth. Like you are deserving of time to say, I, mommy needs that alone time, whether it's at home or it's a Saturday or it's like an evening bath, you have to ask, you have to have those hard conversations with your partner and be uncomfortable and take your power back to be able to step into a space of taking care of you. And like, I got so passionate, like hearing you talk, I'm like getting excited. My heart is beating because for me, I had to teach myself to have those hard conversations mm-hmm. and to be able to ask. And I still have a hard time asking for time for myself. I still have a hard time prioritizing my own calendar. Like this is something that I'm working through, but 
um, yeah, like, oof. <laughs> it's yeah. so true. I feel, I feel similarly too. I mean, I remember like a very specific transition point where I started asking myself, well, what do you want, Jess? Like I was following the, what society wanted me for so long. I was just moving one foot in front of the other, which led me to get my doctorate degree. And then I got my physical therapy degree and then I got a job and then I became the director of the clinic. And then I was like, wait, what just happened? Like, what am I doing? You know, like, do I, am I happy? Like, do I actually want this? And there was a moment for me and our, our family where we were able to move and I was able to redesign what I wanted my life to look like. But that came with a lot of effort and a lot of emotional stuff that came up and a lot of self-worth stuff that came up. Well, if I don't go right into working again as at this high level, like, am I going to be able to feel worthy of this title and this degree that I got? And there was so much that came up for me and so much sacrifice and so much compromise, but all in the name of choosing and designing what I wanted my life to look like. But that happened for me, you know, in my early 30s. So it's like it, you know, you can go through your whole life having this all or nothing mindset potentially where it's either I can't do any of the self-care because I'm in this season of life and I'm dedicating all my time to other people, or you can slowly just fade away in life and then wake up one day and be like, numb, as you mentioned, you know, emotionally numb to, to your own desires, your own feelings. And I felt that in my early thirties that I really had to work through and it was tough, but I encourage anyone who's listening that feels kind of like, I don't even know where I'm going, or I just feel like I'm kind of going through the motions and taking the next step is get a piece of paper out and just, you know, do as Michelle says too, like ask yourself, what will make your heart happy? And just start writing, like, what will make your heart happy? And I wonder what would come out on the paper for a lot of people that aren't actively making that choice. The quality of life will always be based on the quality of questions you asked, full stop. Yeah. So if, if you want to live a beautiful, qual- high quality life, ask yourself some high quality questions and see mm. what comes up for you. Like most of us who are numb and I definitely attract a numb archetype because we are like productivity t- monsters, right? So we can withstand a lot of pressure and just keep going and forget to ask like, what am I doing all this for? Am I even enjoying myself? And where's where's my joy get to fit on this list, right? And I don't know. It's just so important. So important. Ask yourself why. Ask yourself why. Like every day, even. Yeah, like a self-inventory. A hundred percent. You'd live a far more delicious life if at the end of the day you asked yourself, like, did I live romantically today? Did I have a level of self-compassion? Am I even happy? Imagine Mm -hmm. what your life would look like. Because here, even if you said no and didn't know what to do with it, at some point you would get so irritated with continuously writing no, you would start looking for different solutions. So right there, it would make you uncomfortable enough to be like, I don't even know what to do with this. You don't need to. But and the teacher always shows up when the student is ready, right? But like, just that simple thing can change the trajectory of your life. And and something that you brought up with, you know, using your voice and asking for what you need, having a high level of self-compassion. If you have patterned out as the good girl for most of your life and have been celebrated for just keeping quiet and keeping the peace and doing the things, the first time you speak up, it might look like angry, irrational, like because you haven't used your voice in that capacity. So a high level of self-compassion that you're probably going to have to course correct and repair some relationships on the way to setting boundaries because it's foreign, right? Like it's okay if it doesn't come out right. It's okay if you hold the piece of paper and you're like, I, I need five minutes. That might be incredibly difficult for someone who's not used their voice in that capacity. That's okay. One foot in front of the other, right? So I think it's super cool that you bring that up. And last thing is like, what happened to the village? I think we um, did women a huge disservice by the narrative of like, I can do everything by myself. I don't need help. And you can take that for whatever it is, but it is harming us. Like we were meant to sit in circles and collaborate. We were meant to have a visit a village and ask for help. We, it is impossible with the load that we carry for us to do it all very well. And so to also be very self-compassionate, if you feel like you're failing, it was like, yeah, no kidding. We need a village. It takes a lot it's of people. It's hard to do it all. Yeah. Yeah. It's so you hard can't, to do it all. You can't, you can't do it all in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. You just, you can't. 
I don't think we were created to. We weren't. And actually, I just finished a book that said for 4,000 years, we operated a certain way. And now what we're doing is so vastly different from our innate intelligence. And yeah, imagine the confusion of that because it's just like it ran a different way for a very long time. We were deeply supported, right? Like red tent style. Like there was so much wisdom sharing. There was so many grandmothers holding babies as moms rest. They, 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 you, were, you were surrounded by support. So this is incredibly isolating. And I think that's why we're feeling the effects of it. And I think that's why we see so much anxiety and depression is that we are going against our innate nature to be together. And that is a fundamental problem why so many of us feel broken. You're not broken you don't have you, like you don't have your systems that were were there to support you to help you thrive. Mm-hmm. That's I a think big a lot of people are craving community too now. Like I'm noticing it more and more. I mean, it's like part of the reason why I wanted this podcast too is like community and to to be able to speak up on these things. And maybe there is somebody that's sitting alone and doesn't you know if they're listening and they can understand that there is a community out there for them. It doesn't even have to be this one. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of communities, there are a lot of women who are working together and creating collectives and, and wanting to be a part of something bigger and wanting to help each other. And I think it's it's really important to to know and to tap into those resources, to mm-hmm. find your village wherever it is. Mm-hmm. So that's a good segue to the Wild Collective and what you do are at your women's circles, your community that you've built, like, are they all in person? Are they virtual? What does it look like? Yeah. Well, they were all in person and then we all endured a global pandemic. (laughs) Innovative. Uh, So now we're hybrid. So now we have like women all around the world and we have, we're set up. We have a circle where there's women in in person, there's women on our screen. It's so beautiful. Um, I just, I really wanted to create the capacity for any woman who feel pulled to do the work that we're doing to be able to access it. And so I really did work um, quite tediously to make sure that I could make that happen. And so, yeah, now we we host small, intimate groups, um, discussion. I always say it's like 50% connection, 50% curriculum. So we spend time in conversations that matter and help self-exploration, asking questions that are going to make you take inventory and and think about these things at a very deep level so that you can be like, hmm, maybe there is something going on here. And then I spend a great amount of time uh, in what I call body literacy in educating women on their their physical body. How are they designed? How do our symptoms speak to us? What do they mean? What tests can you advocate for to help you get answers? And what interventions are available to you should you recognize that there is an imbalance or something that needs to be focused on? And, you know, I've, I've learned women are, they want so much information. They're so studious and passionate and, and want these things. It's just so hard to, where do you get that information? I felt that frustration as a clinician as well as like, I was like, if you could just have this whole thought level downloaded, then you'd probably get better results. But we're so short on time one-on-one that it's hard to teach you everything. So we take 10 modules and we teach you everything I think a woman needs to know. And then because I think we were so fundamentally about connection first and, and, and exposing our humanity and helping us feel deeply connected at, at the end of that 10 module experience, women are like, well, we're not leaving each other. So what's next? So then I've created like mindset programs and book clubs and all different ways in which we can really double down on taking this information and 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 starting to leverage it as our superpower so not only feel like we know how to take care of ourselves in the healthcare space in a time of healthcare collapsing and not doing so good women need to know about how to help themselves but then also feel deeply connected because they become soul sparked and they want to do important things in this world and it lights them up and we hold space for all of that. And I just am so proud of, of, of the potency of that. And I'm fiercely committed to women knowing that there is a space where they can belong and feel safe, heard, seen, and supported and uh, feel empowered to have the information that they need for their own discernment. Like I said, like I find the healthcare space so noisy. Everyone has an opinion and you're bad or right or wrong or uh, man, it's so easy to feel ashamed. Like we were in a wild circle 
a week ago and a, a woman said, you know, I have my coffee before my breakfast and she like felt bad about it. And I was like, so do I don't feel bad if the, if it works for your body Me trust too. your body like I want us to come to a space where we're not apologizing you are not an apology your life is an apology you're allowed to take up space you're allowed to find your own way it's noisy and I want women to know that their power and their information is already within and to just not apologize for it, to like totally celebrate who they are, but also celebrate other women doing incredible things and celebrate differences and all of that. I just think we need a new type of human connection and leadership. And I just, I just want to be a part of that, like a small part of fixing that because the way we are heading feels wrong and out of order. And we need to, it's on us feminine leaders to restore, um, I think how we were actually meant to thrive. I bet Jess could just totally be like, <laughs> she's she probably so excited over there. Cause I mean, that's what you speak to and yeah, it's part of pretty much there. how I, I uh, advocate for women and especially in this pregnancy postpartum space that are very alone and are very kind of tossed aside, you know, from a healthcare standpoint especially with this one 10 minutes, six week checkup that everyone's like perfect, you know, and it just frustrates me. And I like, this is why it's my whole mission. Um, and my whole purpose for like what I'm doing. And I believe in it so deeply, but you're right. Like when healthcare is not working, we have to do healthcare differently. Challenge it. Yeah. I heard the word like chat, like challenge Mm -hmm. as you're, as you both are speaking, I'm like, you're, you're teaching women to have the knowledge that you are allowed to have this knowledge. And if someone is telling you differently, but it feels wrong, challenge them. Yes. Challenge your doctors, challenge the healthcare system, advocate for yourself to get what you need because intuitively we know. I mean, healthcare workers, like providers, like we work for the client, we work for them, not the other way around. And I think so many times I hear in my scope of work, working with postpartum women, oh, well, I'm not going to do anything until I'm cleared by my doctor. Or once my doctor releases me, then I'm going to do this stuff. And I'm like, take your power back, girl. Like, come on, your doctor is not in control of your body and how you feel. What do you want to do? How does your body feel right now? Are you craving movement? Are you craving yoga? Or what are you craving in your own body? Your body intuitively tells you what it needs and has the wisdom inside of it. We just have to trust that more and stop giving our power away in those instances. Um, I think this holds true in women's health in general, which you speak to a lot. How, How do you teach women to kind of regain their autonomy and their power back in this and trust their inner wisdom. Do you have any exercises you take people through? I'm sure there's a million, but I'm curious what, what you find helps women with this quicker. I don't, okay. I don't think there's a quick way. How do we get them to do it today in that way? Not, not quicker, because it's how, a journey. Yeah. How do we get them to know that this is a priority? One of, one, of, one of my favorite things that I heard recently, someone say, and it doesn't matter, it was just like a random podcast, but he said, if what you're doing is working, then keep doing it. But if it's not working, then find a different way. Like he was so direct and straightforward and cutthroat. And it was like, yeah. Like if what you're doing is working, then carry on. But if it's not, then maybe you need innovation. And I I truly, my heart goes out to every woman because I don't think this path is for the faint of heart and I don't think it's necessarily easy. So how do I um, see such consistent transformation? I think it's who I am as a leader. I don't pretend to have all my shit figured out. Am I allowed to swear? I just did. Yes. Um, I am a really honest leader and I share quite vulnerably of myself. And I think that was necessary in this kind of space because, man, have we done a number in making women feel broken and less than and unworthy and all of the things. And to your point, there's probably no more potent a time for a woman to reclaim her power than when she becomes a mother because then she's a warrior for someone else and she's probably not going to do it for herself, but damn, be sure she's going to do it for her baby. And I think mm-hmm. we start to realize how powerful we are. First of all, we just like birthed a baby, which is so badass. We created it. But uh, I think when there's something wrong with our baby, I always worked in, in um, 
post like pregnancy and postpartum. That was my niche as a naturopathic doctor when I was practicing like full time. And the clarity, the certainty, the discernment, women knew like 99% when something was off with their baby and they knew to what degree and what was going on. And I think when we start to learn how much we can trust ourselves, then we, we go through moments of everything's a season. So there's going to be seasons where we can articulate ourselves beautifully and we feel powerful like in our menstrual cycle. And there's going to be seasons where we feel powerless and like we don't hopeless, helpless, like all the things and, and starting to create a space to know that all of that's supposed to be there. This work takes time, which is why I think we need this kind of community that allows for the room for you to start figuring this out because there is no quick way to repattern intergenerational trauma of women being silenced and feeling less than and unworthy and all of the things. Sometimes the patterns you're acting out are not yours. They were your grandmother's. And so there's a lot to unpack there. And so we need we need a safe soundboard. I've literally created this as like a no-brainer membership because it's going to take time because I've recognized that you can put like five steps forward and then something will derail you and you'll feel powerless or lose your voice. And then you're like, you need a place, a safe place to fall and start practicing these things. And I think you need a leader who's going to speak with incredible honesty and integrity about what this is and what her journey has looked like. So my journey has looked like this. And I I do think we hand out permission slips by being the embodiment of our work. I think that's the best. We can lead by example. It's how we're better mothers and it's how we're better leaders is that if we start to share where we don't have our stuff together and we start to show the hero's journey, how we overcame, I think we start to create a new articulation for women to go, well, if she could do it, so can I. And now they start to reframe the miracles, the shift in perception. It's not that all of a sudden you wake up and all your circumstances have changed because you're going to wait your whole life away. But if you start to go, okay, this is a really challenging moment. Or I don't actually know how to help my kid who's crying all night or all the things, but I'm going to see this as an opportunity to be chiseled into the masterpiece that I was destined to be. Well, now, now we're cooking with bacon. What is the expression? <laughs> right? So I think... Um, it's not an easy answer. It's not an ideal answer at all. I, I truly uh, recognize that, which is why this is such a hard model of disruption. It's not It's not a straightforward linear path, like come for your 30-minute appointment and all your problems will be solved and here's a pill. That's why we want that model. But that mm-hmm. model is not working. Again, if it's working for you, great. But if it's not, you might t- need to sit in dialogue. You might need to hear other women who are in the arena with you, have overcome challenge, show you what's possible, challenge your comfort zone, meet the electric fence and be deeply inspired so that you can wake up the next day and go, maybe I can, maybe, maybe it is possible. And it's that potency that fuels me for another day because I, I literally watch women do this day in and day out, just like disrupt in their own life and, and find a way home to themselves and don't apologize for their, their pleasure and joy and, and showing up boldly. And I just, I love that, but it, it's going to take making mistakes. It's going to take feeling like you're failing. Sometimes it's going to take, um, opposition. All of those things have to be there. And we, we make a lot of meaning in it about it in the physical realm. And so I think we need a spiritual fitness. Like I think we need a space for us to talk about things happening for us and not to us so that we can stop feeling like a victim. I really want to see more women step into their power and not feel like a victim or a martyr to their circumstance. Um, Because usually I think their burnout archetypes are showing up because they're afraid to go in because they feel so exhausted and depleted and in North America, we live in a society that is quite unsustainable in terms of the level of pressure we put on a woman to be successful. And, and, um, it's just too much. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I went all ways, but, um, I think we just need to see, that's why we need to be with each other is we need to see what's possible. And the only way to see it is to sit in it and make that a priority and just be curious. 
you don't have to have all your stuff figured out. That's the beautiful thing. And the beautiful thing about community is you don't need the leader to solve your problems for you. The community is the medicine. It is the medicine. So go be with those people and just let yourself be taken away, be swept away in the potency of what could be. And you will be an unstoppable force for good. I'm confident. I see it every day, every day. I love how passionate you are, Michelle. Like, I, you're so you're so embodied in your purpose. It's it's really awesome. You're mm-hmm. so passionate. Um, go, come watch the YouTube video. Like we <laughs> we put our podcasts on YouTube. So if you want to come find us on YouTube, but like so much came up for me. First of all, you have to like trademark spiritual fitness. I love mm-hmm. this term. That's amazing. I love it. Um, but I'm I was thinking about this as you were speaking, and you touched on it. I think coming back to this question of why and why are we surrounding ourselves with certain people coming back to like, who is in your immediate community and are they an expander for you? Are they showing you what's possible? Are they somebody that is taking care of themselves? Are they like my friend who said, I'm my first priority? Like ask yourself who's, who's immediately around you. And then if that needs to change, change it. Find a community where there are people who are practicing spiritual fitness, right? Like who are taking care of themselves, who are standing in their power, because that's powerful alone. Like that's something you could do tomorrow. Just connect with somebody, even just one person, a friend, somebody who can just support you. It's free. Yeah. Can I add to that really quick? Yeah, please. Just like how we talked about increasing your happiness by being around happy people, your direct consequence is that you will increase other people's happiness by 15%. They've studied it the other way. And for every negative, toxic, sad person who like you just feel like so depleted, they can actually decrease your happiness by 9% with every interaction. So like this is measurable. It's not consequence free. And we need to be so discerning, especially new moms with very little capacity for a little extra. (laughs) We need to put ourselves in communities that uplift because that kind of energy fuels us and the alternative is also true. So cautiously proceed. It's such a important thing you're bringing up there. Especially if you're somebody who's very empathetic or like very clear sentient, right? Like you feel a lot from other people. I, I can be drained by other people just like pretty easily. So I have to practice that protection, right? And, and make small, small bits of time with this type of person, Um, But honestly, I don't have a lot of them in my life because I just, it's too depleting. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I love that you bring that up. And then one other thing that I thought about while you were talking was how our, our society is so driven by instant gratification. Like you were talking about, oh, just give me a pill and it'll solve everything. Now that's just a bandaid on the problem, right? It might not work. It might not work immediately. You might not have a quick, I mean, the pill might not, but like whatever you're trying to do might not work immediately. Your spiritual fitness is an exercise. It takes time. It takes practice. It's a lifelong practice. So don't give up just because you're not seeing results early, right? Like keep going because this long-term effort is where you will start to have like a more solid foundation and then you just grow from there. We've we've given our body such an impossible task, right? Like if it took if it took 20, 30, 40 years to create this disease and then we we do something for 6 weeks and we're like, "Ah. I don't know, Michelle." And you're like, "What?" Like <laughs> We need to be so gentle. If it took this long to get you to this state of dis-ease, it's going to take some time to get you into this place of thriving health and really starting to shift our narrative too, that it's really much more about the journey than the destination. Because I still think some people think that there's like this bubble called health, thriving health. And once you arrive, you never leave. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with like, you are always developing. You are always becoming a a more ascended version of yourself, right? So it's the journey, not the destination. And we were fed a lot of narratives with with the pill narrative of thinking, you know what? You did give me this six weeks ago and I should have seen improvement by now. Or like, I tried your meditation and let me tell you, 
not fun. Right. So it's like, I don't know. We need to, we need to be so self-compassionate on this journey because it does absolutely take time. And that's if we can make it fun along the way and we can laugh and be with each other and get our cups filled, man, does that make that journey that much more enjoyable? If you have to go gluten-free anyways, and I'm just being facetious, but like you may as well do it with a bunch of sisters who get the fact that you have to maybe search around for some gluten-free flour sometimes and it's a bit frustrating, right? Like it just makes that journey that much easier. Yeah. I'm actually celiac, so I am gluten-free. <laughs> it's <laughs> relatable. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. and I, But it's like when I go to dinner with my friends, it's like, sorry, no bread for the table or like put it over in that corner. Yeah. Yeah. No. They're supportive of me. Yeah. Right? I, I love everything about this conversation. I feel like I could talk to you for another hour. Um, <laughs> but I'm curious for people who are listening and are really desiring this collective, this community. Uh, they really want to do the work. They want to go on the journey. Does your wild collective extend virtually to anyone who's listening now? And can they join? How can they join? Share a little bit about those next steps. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you saying that. So there's a couple of ways you can find us. Yes, yes, yes. We want to support any woman who feels called because as you can tell, I'm quite enthusiastic about this. Like I will not stop (laughs) probably till my last breath. I love this work Mm -hmm. and it hasn't that hasn't changed a day since sitting in one circle with women. It was like, I was destined to do this. So if you check us out, there's two ways. Well, there's a couple of ways you can find us. Our website is the-wild-collective.com because someone else won't sell me my domain name and that's cool. So that's where you'll find our global mission. We have facilitators all around the world. So if if I can connect you to a facilitator local to you, I will absolutely do that. Or if you want to sit in my circle, we can actually make that happen because we have this beautiful hybrid model and it works beautifully. Um, you can also follow me, find us on social media. We are the official Wild Collective and at Dr. Michelle Paris. And if you message me there, I will go to many lengths to make sure that you have the the community and the wild support you deserve because you are so worthy and I am deeply committed to your success and your journey. So we'll make it happen no matter how we have to. And we have uh, our podcast, Wild Medicine as well, which we give lots of free uh, information away. So you can also hang out with us there too. Thank you so much, Michelle. It's been such an honor to chat with you, to learn from you, to gain wisdom from you, and just to hear your like life's work and your passions come out so organically and naturally. Like like Lexi said, you can see your purpose just radiating <laughs> off of you and your your passions. And so just keep doing what you're doing. I know that you're reaching so many women. Um, and I'm just thankful for that. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I, I've enjoyed my time very much. Thank you. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for tuning in today. You can find more information about today's episode in the show notes at soul-starter.com forward slash podcast. We also love to connect with you on Instagram at soulstarterco, all one word. And please don't forget to leave a review and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. You can also watch the video recordings on our YouTube channel at Soul Starter Co. See you in the next episode.